0: up guys um steven peters john kearney back here with the og it's been a while since we got a episode out but we had we were busy with school vacation baseball a lot of stuff uh caught up john how you doing today
1: i'm doing well steve i'm tired but uh you know got back from vacation yesterday so it was a lot of driving but we're, we're up early we're, we're getting this done we're gonna get it out tonight so oh yeah sounds good Grind doesn't stop, um, and we just started. We're finishing up the website too, right? Yep, yep. So website should be up by tonight, May thirty first evening, or June first, depending on when some of our contributors get us our their bios. So that's a subtle hint for any of them listening to send us your shit, please. Thank you.
0: <laughs> All right, so let's get right into it. I got a question for you first, John. So I saw this tweet about a week ago. Um, guy posed a pretty good, uh, pretty good question. You got 10 shots to make one NBA three-pointer. If you make one, you get a billion dollars. If you don't make any, you go to maximum security prison for a
1: year. Do you do it? So, I think I would probably do it because I think I can make one. Out of 10, that's a lot of shots. But at the same time, I don't feel like getting shivved in maximum security prison. So, and I really don't want to join a gang. So, (laughs) Those are two considerations that I have to make for myself. Where it's like, how much confidence do I have in my ability to shoot a basketball from NBA range? Probably gonna shoot from the top of the key, shortest spot spot on the court from three. I think I can make one, so I'm gonna go with one. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. All
0: right. So if you think you can make one, it's been proven that I'm the better shooter out of these two. This is absolutely <laughs> <two>. so. Since <laughs> I'm the better shooter, if you can make one, I think I'll be okay too. I'm being ambushed by this. right? The now. maximum security prison. Would be scary, would not be fun,
1: but I think I can make one too. Shoot or shoot, and I think I can make one. <laughs> I mean, you're long on everything on a regular like <laughs> distance court, so I think you'd probably make one. Like you'd probably just be knocked down from it. Yeah, exactly. Cause you have to shoot from like behind half court. Just normally. gotta
0: shoot the way I usually do. <laughs> um.
1: So that was that was tweet of the week. I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it looks like we're both going to jail because I can almost guarantee we're not making one. Now that we've said it. Not with that attitude. <laughs> now that we've said it, I'm kind of interested in trying it. So we might have to make a YouTube video about yeah, that. Yeah, maybe not maximum security prison. But we'll, no, but like get eggs thrown at us. Yeah, something like that. Would that would be fun. Ooh, yeah. That would hurt a lot. But oh. That would be really fun. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. So the finals. Yeah. NBA distance yeah. threes. Yeah. Um, didn't go so well for Steph and, and Clay last night. It did not. They they struggled a bit from behind the line, and by a bit I mean a lot. Um, and the whole Warriors team seemed to be a little bit thrown off by, by the Raptors. What did you think of that? Um, Yeah, I mean, the defense was crazy last night by
0: the, the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Um, Kawhi, you know, he's going to defend. Serge Ibaka was back in the Thunderways, just blocking everything in sight. Sergei Siakam's blocking. emergence has been crazy mm-hmm. for the Raptors, both offensively and defensively. Um, Van Vliet's been playing out of his mind. It's been crazy.
1: Yeah, I, I think the Warriors uh, – I was texting a couple of my friends from school last night about it. Um, I think the Warriors underestimated the switchability of the Raptors. So almost everybody on that team can guard Steph. Yeah. Like even Marcus did a good job staying connected with him when he would when they would switch on screens. Mm-hmm. And then it was very quick, and then they would either double or switch back. And it just seemed like Steph was uncomfortable with that much contact. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I I don't know how much of that is because he's had injury issues in the past with his ankles and stuff, and he's a little bit conscious of stepping on people's feet, um, a la Kawhi Leonard. Mm -hmm. But uh, (laughs) I I think it's, it's one game. I don't think... I mean, I know everyone on TV is going to make a big deal out of it, specifically Max Kellerman and probably Skip Bayless. Um, But I think it's not that big a deal. No, I mean, listen, it was game one. It was in Toronto.
0: They had nine days off. Nine days off. It was our first time, first finals in franchise history for the Raptors. Mm -hmm. Um, What I found kind of crazy is the pregame, Paul Pierce, Jalen Rose, and Chauncey Phillips all chose the Raptors to win this series. Yeah. Paul Pierce in six, which is absurd. And you know, then. Less of them. <laughs> Paul Pierce isn't exactly the best source <laughs> to cite. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> and then Jalen Rose in seven. And Chauncey was the only one that said, if Katie comes back, Warriors won. But if they don't, Raptors. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that interesting. And even more interesting is Passwell Siakam's emergence. Last year, he averaged 7.3 points per game. Mm-hmm. In the regular season this year, he averaged 16.9, and he's averaging 19.4 in the playoffs. Last night, he scored. 32 points on 82% shooting. He made 11 straight field goals, which is the most consecutive made in the last 20 years in the NBA finals. And, I mean, he's been playing out of his mind. He's been a great number two behind Kawhi, Mm -hmm. who only shot 36% yesterday. Still had 23. Didn't take a crazy amount of shots. He he only shot 14 times. I mean,
1: when you see Occam's hot like that, you just keep feeding him. And even Flanvillie
0: had a pretty good game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I – so I watched the – I think we – might have talked about this in an unreleased podcast, but I watched Pascal Siakam play um, at the UCLA Rico Hines runs on YouTube um, over the summer. And, you know, it starts out where it's, you know, college kids that are working out and a few NBA guys are there, but it's not really a good gauge. But then once the summer gets deeper and more and more like star NBA guys, James Harden came by, Russell Westbrook, obviously a UCLA alum, Um, people like that, Paul George showed up and Pascal Siakam was still dominating. And me and one of my friends from school watched it early on in the semester. And I was like, dude, he looks way better, like immensely better. And it's really it's come through in this in this series and so far and also the whole entirety of the playoffs and the regular season for that matter. I I don't know. Um, I think he's probably the most improved player. If that, I don't know if that's a stretch. He should definitely win most improved player if he doesn't. <laughs> but, episode. I mean, compared to what he was last year, where it was like I knew the name because I watched him, like, dunk on the Knicks one time. <laughs> and it was like a cool dunk, and I was like, all right, cool. But then once I saw him, I was like, is that Pascal Siakam? And then he was just running the floor, dunking on people, crossing people up, second-chance opportunities. It's all that he does in the game. And he even added a jump shot a bit, too. He still shot. He shot two of three from three, so.
0: Yeah, a lot of them are saying like when he's attacking the rim and he's not settling for jumpers, mm-hmm. he's a lot better in that realm. And because Kyle Lowry's so bad in the playoffs, <laughs> especially not even, like regular season, he's okay. Yeah. He's maybe maybe a top ten all star. Yeah, I mean he's okay. Like he's alright, mm-hmm. but um former all star. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's a, um Pascal Siakam is really emerging and it's great for the Raptors. Do you think Kawhi's gonna leave after this year?
1: I don't know, man. I, I think He wants to be on the best team possible, which super insane, like, eventuality would be him going to the Warriors when KD leaves. That's absurd. Which I would shit my pants. There's no way. I would laugh so hard. (laughs) And and the thing is, though, right, (laughs) I don't think Kawhi would get as much hate for doing it as KD because Kawhi literally said, I don't care about being the best player. I want to be on the best team. Mm -hmm. So it's like if you want to be on the best team, you go join the Warriors and you become – honestly, they might be better with him. Than KD. Because he's, he's like a mixture of KD and Draymond. Yeah, I mean, he's a more mm-hmm. he's a more efficient Draymond,
0: mm-hmm.
1: on, like defensively, and he playmakes. He had, you know, eight rebounds, five assists yesterday. He's the best defender in the league. He plays – I mean, right now he's playing through an injury. Mm-hmm. Last season you wouldn't be able to say that. <laughs> um, but he also knows – he he's able to defer, I think. Mm-hmm. Um he grew up in a system with Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manny Ginobili. And specifically Tim Duncan, you defer to the you know, arguably best power forward of all time. Mm-hmm. So I think him going there would be so funny. But I don't think it's gonna happen. I if I was him, I'd stay in Toronto. I think you've garnered so much love from that fan base. You have to embrace that. And I don't think the clipper I don't think LA'll care as much because LeBron's there. Right. So I mean
0: I'm in the two same spots. Like he's either staying in Toronto or I think he's going to the Clippers. But I I brought that up just because I don't know if Pascal Siakam's ready to be a number one scoring option
1: though. Yeah, so I, I if agree do Kawhi you. Leaves, I don't think the Raptors are
0: going to be in trouble unless yeah. they sign somebody yeah. else.
1: I don't know to that, be that number one. I don't know that Siakam will ever be a number one scoring exactly. option. Yeah. But he's a great number two right now and mm-hmm. he's kind of like a mini me Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Or not some mini me, but like a carbon copy almost. Yeah. Just with a little less skill and scoring and a getting their own length. shot. Um, yeah. A lot longer, but also defensive minded. And he's still, Pascal Siakam is, is relatively young still. You think he's 25. So, I mean, Kawhi's 27, 28, mm-hmm. but I think learning a little bit from Kawhi and almost like it's almost like Kawhi's bringing that player development that helped him get where he is to Pascal Siakam and saying, here's the keys of the castle. Do with it what you want. You have to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And based on what I saw last summer, he's putting in the work for sure. Um, one thing that we definitely have to mention, you brought up uh, Kyle Lowry. If they lost this game, Kyle Lowry was going to get absolutely eviscerated. He should, because he shot two of nine from the field, one of five from three he had six rebounds and nine assists, but he also had seven points. You're a starting point guard. Marc Gasol had 20. That's great. But Marcus Gasol is an old school center in a new school league. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Lowry had seven points.
0: You have no idea how angry it makes me that Kyle Lowry has more finals appearances than Chris Paul.
1: Dude, Fred Van Fleet had 15.
0: Yeah. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Fred Van Fleet didn't even shoot well from three. He was, I think he was one of four, but he still finished with 15. Yeah, like he he had a good game, mm-hmm. but Kyle Lowry, man, there was a I, I saw a video like of this dude just laughing at the fact that Kyle Lowry got that huge ass contract from mm-hmm. Toronto and everything, and I mean it makes so much sense. He's gotten chubby over the years; like he doesn't look the same way that he did when he entered the league. Um,
1: he still has an impact with the like he, on the defensive end. He draws he draws a lot of charges. It's crazy. My kind of player. Too. It's really annoying, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think he's just it's unfortunate because he was that number two to DeRozan for so long. But, um, I mean, Pat McCall had three points in seven minutes. He's like halfway to, to Kyle Lowry's total in 36. Mm -hmm. So like, and it's no, we understand it's not all about points, but you have to have, as a set, you are like the second star on this team based on if you're we're going based on money, you're the second star. Yeah. So you have to have more than seven points and it's not, if this was an anomaly, like it was like, Oh, he had an off night. No, this is the, the rule. The exception is when he has 20 and you know, 10 assists. Mm -hmm. Um, but I like him as a player. I just think that he's a little bit overrated for what he does for sure. Um, he does things that are important, but he doesn't do things that are overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Later in the summer, when we have a little less sports going on, we have got to find some stuff to talk about. Maybe we'll do like a point
1: guard tier, see which tier we actually end up putting him in. That would be cool, yeah. Definitely Um, we'll do that. Um, I also wanted to bring up um, a little bit back to the Kawhi movement theory. Um, What if he went back to San Antonio? (laughs) I don't think he can. And literally did like an Araldis Chapman thing with the Yankees, where they traded Araldis Chapman for fucking Glaber Torres and and others. And then Chapman was like, "Oh yeah, I'm just gonna resign with you guys, and you guys have all these prospects. We're gonna be sick." And that's basically what the Spurs did. They traded for DeRozan. They lost Danny Green, but they also got uh, Jakob Purtle, who has been okay for them. Still of Aldridge. And Aldridge, Patty Mills, Patty Mills. They have Dejounte Murray, we'll Dijon Mustard, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think it would be really cool if he was just like, Man, let's bury the hatchet and win another title. I think <laughs> I, I don't think it would be a a Roldis Chapman kind
0: of move because I don't think a Chapman has to be traded. I'm gonna go out like I'm gonna kind of compare it to LeBron moving to Miami and he, like hear me out. It's it's a quicker movement, but mm-hmm. LeBron went down to Miami for four years, played went to four straight finals there. Watched the Cavaliers load up on young talent. Mm-hmm. Went back, then they, and he was on a team that had all the star power. That's the same thing with um, Kawhi. It's just a lot a little quicker. They have, yeah. they have a lot more pieces now. Mm-hmm. He moved away, got to a finals, and now he's going to go right back.
1: It, if he goes right back. I don't think he would. No, I don't think he would, but I think it would be cool if he did. And I mean, He was just like, listen, let's bury the hatchet. We'll win a title because I think that's a team that can contend. It's Popovich. Any team in I mean, Yeah, and think about the defense. Like they were... Not great on defense this year, but they were better than people expected them to be, myself included. And you add Kawhi to that mix, so that starting lineup would be DeJounte Murray, um, DeRozan, Kawhi, Aldridge, or Bertons. Davis Bertons does not miss. Put him in the starting lineup. Um, I don't actually know who their regular starting five would be, outside of... I mean, maybe they'll start with Aldridge and Bertons. Aldridge and Bertons. I would be down. Um <laughs> Oh, how pissed do you think fucking uh, Norman Powell, right? He got traded. Yeah. And, uh, and DeRozan what's the, what's too. The, and Valanciunas. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think DeRozan's that mad because, I mean, it, I mean he's it, mad that he got traded in the first place. But, yeah. like, you still made the playoffs. You're on a contending team. You're not in the finals. But you weren't going to be in the finals. Yeah. So that doesn't matter. But Valanciunas and Norman Powell were on the team. <laughs> and they traded them for Marcus All, which is a great trade for the Raptors very mediocre return for the, for the grizzlies well, but how pissed would you be if uh, they were like super oh by upset. the way we're in the we're in the championship super upset i mean
0: gasol like he was getting old mm-hmm. so you could not gonna get a lot of return on investment for him mm-hmm. but i think they got a decent like norman powell's a good player and Valentinus is good when healthy he's yeah. been injury prone gasol's the same kind of player as Valentinus, i think mm-hmm. just a little older um the more, he's better on defense. Yeah, I think so. I, Former I think defense do, player yeah. of the year, but playmaking. No, nah, I'd be, I'd be super upset. But a little um, other side of it. Do you think this is the best scenario for KD? Like watching the first game of the fives
1: and watching they can't really play without him. So I was in heaven watching all of the tweets, including my own, about how KD is just sitting on his couch, like excited to write from his burners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he's just sitting down, pen and paper. He's gonna draft them out first. Not even going to use the draft function on Twitter, because if he sends one by accident, uh-oh, we've been in there before. But I think this is unbelievable for him that they're losing without him. And number one, it makes him look better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Number two, it makes it like, see, this is my team. And that was part of the conversation I was having with my friends yesterday, and they were a little bit disagreeing with me. But um, my thing is, like, if the Warriors lose the series – it makes it validates him so much, where it's like they can't win a championship without exactly. KD. So it validates his championships a little bit more. Mm-hmm. In that, all right, we don't know that they would have beaten LeBron those three times or those two times without KD. Mm-hmm. So um, I think LeBron's also thrilled about that too. He's like, see, it's only because Kevin Durant. Like it, it validates. I mean, it's still insane that he went to nine straight finals, mm-hmm. eight straight finals, whatever it was but he it's a little bit less because he lost everyone and the warriors dominated them so much but i think without kd if you're looking at it now it might make it seem like oh lebron might have won those you know especially last year without kd the numbers he was putting up were insane um, so there's definitely that potential and that was with kd guarding him mm-hmm. So KD's not guarding him. What is he putting up, like 60? You know what I mean? Like, I think LeBron's sitting at home, upset that he's not in the finals, super happy that the Warriors are losing with KD, without KD um,
0: in the series. Going back to LeBron a little bit, today's the anniversary of him dropping 51-8-8 in game one of the postseason and J.R. Smith ruining it ever at all. Yeah, I mean. No. <laughs> but um, KD. Like I, I agree with you. I think it helps his legacy a little bit because those mm-hmm. two those two finals are more like, okay, like he actually like he did something. He did he did a lot for this team. Nobody around Steph stepped up last night. He had thirty four, yeah. but clay, and clay had twenty one, but like it wasn't a clay twenty one really. Yeah, it wasn't
1: a great twenty
0: one. Same with Draymond Green. He had 10 10 ten, triple double, but mm-hmm. he shot what, two a six from the field, I think.
1: It was not pretty. Two and nine, yeah. Boogie didn't do much. Starting Jordan Bell is such a waste. Mm-hmm. I think it's so stupid. Just start Kevon Looney if you're gonna play him twenty eight minutes a game. And is hurt, too. He's, yeah, not, he's he not 100%.
0: Point. And I, I saw, I heard this on ESPN this morning. The Warriors didn't hit a transition three.
1: Yeah, that's pretty in insane. the entire game. That's pretty insane. They had a lot of second-chance looks. I know Steph had his first two off of offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. But they're a transition team, and I think that's part of the problem is that the Raptors have the ability to get back. And they also have players
0: that have played against them for years. They have Serge mm-hmm. Ibaka, who was on the Thunder before. Yep. Then they have Danny Green, Kawhi and Kawhi. Danny Green. Yeah. They played against them all the time. They know they have to get back first, and even um, Marcus Patrick, and Patrick, Pat McCall played yeah. with them. Yeah, exactly. So that helps for sure. Um, and um, going back to the LeBron thing, did you see Nick Young's tweet? No, he tweeted, um, "Kawhi Leonard just cold AF, but don't act like Bron ain't ran through the East every year. Yeah, it's like y'all couldn't wait for him to miss the playoffs. Y'all better appreciate what that man did for the league. Goes back to what you were saying earlier: eight straight finals, mm-hmm. regard like
1: Heat Cavaliers, regardless, it's insane." Yeah, and I mean, he – and it wasn't even like last year. It was a little bit – he had a little bit more trouble getting through the East with mm-hmm. the Pacers um, and the Celtics. No, his, they played the Celtics last year. In yeah, the, it, in was, the conference it was the finals. So he had a little bit more more trouble with the, with the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Swept the Raptors. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, even in this iteration of the East, which is basically what it is, Giannis was still doing Giannis things last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I I still think that LeBron would have probably gone to the finals this year. Yeah, I think so too.
0: I mean, LeBron had a team of misfit Toys last year. Yeah, exactly. Cleveland
1: and like this year, um,
0: but we're not <laughs> going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. um, so I mean, that's it's it's incredible. Even the first year he made it with the Cavs. Like Kyrie got hurt early. Yep. Kevin, then Love Kevin Love got hurt, and he still it. made it to the postseason, like or the finals. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. No. I I think what people are starting to do is appreciate what LeBron does. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, you know, I've seen it on TV and stuff where they're talking about, like, who's the greatest player in the game. We're still talking about LeBron. He's not in the playoffs. He hasn't been in the playoffs. And he's constantly a story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, granted, the Lakers are constantly a story right now because of all the misfortune that's going on in their front office. But, <laughs> it's like, crazy, it, it really is. But the fact that we're still discussing, like, Oh, who's the best player ever, like in the game right now? And it ends up coming back to Le- where it's like, oh, LeBron's the best player in the game because mm-hmm. he averaged twenty eight eight and eight again, mm-hmm. and he's not in the discussion for MVP. He should G- sh- have won it last year too. He absolutely should have won it last <laughs> year over James in ev- Harden. In every stat, he had more than By, like four hundred. <laughs> it was not even close. <laughs> like he <laughs> shot, he had a better field goal percentage too. Yeah. It's like, and I'm not a LeBron like Stan. Stan, yeah, exactly, at all. I think he's the greatest player of all time, but he's in his 16th season. He didn't play those 17 games. Kawhi didn't play 22 games and people were like, Oh, Kawhi is really playing. Well, LeBron it's because Kawhi didn't miss him in succession, I think. And that's why there's not like this fatigue where it's like, Oh, Kawhi missed a lot of time. It's just Kawhi didn't play like every other game mm-hmm. to start the season. And LeBron missed 17 straight. So people were like, Oh, he didn't play, but Kawhi also didn't play. And he was in the conversation for a little while. Yeah. Um, his
0: son getting an Instagram finally also helps keep him in the conversation. Dude,
1: that first, the video he put out, I don't know <laughs> if it's, for, I don't—I didn't see it on his Instagram. Whatever it is, is so funny. Oh my God. So I was It's like a minute and a half long of him just going crazy. And I was like, this is what eighth graders should do. This is it. I don't think it's him though. I think it's a voiceover.
0: Are you sure? I don't know. Like, so I, I couldn't tell if it was like a TikTok that's or what, not. Exactly. I've heard a lot of things about it. Like a lot of it seems like it's actually real yeah like when i was watching i was like there's no way
1: i know the first the first voice he does i was like i don't know but then he like really like listen if that's a voiceover he's the best actor of all time (laughs) because like it was really it was really well done if it was oh yeah like he's he really a knows that (laughs) knows that dialogue really well (laughs) and b was able to do it really well so shout out Bronnie james jr you're doing you're doing well Mm -hmm. um him and Xavier Wade are going to be a treat to watch next year. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm finally going to get back into high school basketball videos <laughs> because it's about time. I can't stand watching eighth grade AAU. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not fun. <laughs> but it's like Brian James Jr., and then he's in like one second of the video. It's yeah. like, oh, he got the rebound because he's playing a year up. So yeah. it's like, you know, he's not as dominant, I guess, of Europe uh, for, for Strive for Greatness, which is their one of their AAU teams. And then Blue Chips, they won the championship too. So they won the championship for both. Mm-hmm. But they played – there's a kid – we don't – I'm not meaning to get into like recruit talk right now because it's like four years away. But uh, there's a kid, Imoni Bates, who's the number one player in the class of 2022. He's going to be a sophomore. Yeah. And he's literally Kevin Durant. Yeah. It's insane. He moves just like him. He shoots the lights out. He put up forty on Bronny's team, wow. like easy. Uh, so anyway, keep an eye out for him. Yeah, um, and Mikey Williams as well. <laughs> Mikey Williams is a freak of nature, um, and he's in Bronny's class. But anyway, I literally don't even research this shit. It's just I have YouTube videos yeah. from like years ago watching Ball's life videos, and it's like, all right, I'll yeah. watch it because <laughs> it's some like eighth grader like windmilling. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I can barely go. touch the backboard. I, I didn't touch the backboard when I was in eighth grade. <laughs> I could touch the net somewhat on a good day. Uh, but anyway, back to closing out our finals discussion. Who do you have winning the series and in how many games? Does Katie come back? We're not operating under that assumption. Okay, so he does not come back? Oh, wait, wait. Before we do our prediction – I think KD's way more hurt than their yeah, 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 yeah. I don't I think, think it's he's Ach- way more hurt.
0: I don't think it's an Achilles. I was actually listening; to it, it was just on first take.
1: Um, I think it's a really high grade
0: strain, though. Yeah, or low, like, or like I mean. maybe he tore something or something like something something
1: different. else than an Achilles, mm-hmm. but not an Achilles tear. Right. But I would guess like he tore a calf muscle or something like that. That could be. I think that's probably a good possibility. Yeah, he right. might have partially torn the Achilles, and they yeah. might just be like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. But like
0: they're saying that if it's an Achilles injury, he wouldn't be walking around like he is. Even though he's That's like true. he's kind of gimpy, mm-hmm. he still wouldn't be walking around as much as he is. That's why I think torn calf or like a, yeah a really some high grade strain yeah pull. some kind of
1: small tear yeah. Um, but I I we talked about this a little bit uh, a while a while ago, and I I was like I watching that injury. It wasn't there was no contact. Mm-hmm. It was very strange. Those are the worst kind of injuries usually. Yeah, exactly. And the non contact stuff is bad. They we saw with Boogie early in the playoffs. Um, and I think if they do bring him back, it's not going to be the Kevin Durant that we want to see. Exactly. Um, I mean, I don't really want to see Kevin Durant play at all. But yeah.
0: <laughs> he hasn't even resumed basketball activities yet.
1: Yeah, they, they said they have to see him practice before he plays. Yeah, of course. But, um, which, yeah,
0: makes sense. But going into my predictions. Yes. I it's tough for me to go against the Warriors, even though I'm not the biggest Warriors fan. Even though this team is more fun to watch than when Katie's there. Mm-hmm. The ball movement and everything, like I can, I can deal with that. I'll say with I'll say Warriors in seven. I'm I I'm say do,
1: Warriors in five. Five. Do so you think they're going to win? The next I think they're going to win the next four games. I don't think so. Dude, I think I think it's going to be six or seven. Dude, it's. I I really think like it's it's going to be it's going to be a time, and we're going to get into that. That's that's going to end up being part of another segment for me. Mm-hmm. But we'll close it out there. I say Warriors in five. You say Warriors in seven. I think, I know,
0: like, you're talking about Drake, right? Or, you, or is that a different thing,
1: too? Well, it's that and also my my panic. Okay. So, so yeah, I'll, I have something
0: about Drake, but I'll bring that up when we start right.
1: talking about Drake. Um, So, yeah, Warriors in five. Steve has Warriors in seven. That's probably a better pick. But I have confidence seven. in the revenge game for Steph and Clay. I think they're going to put up, like, 40 I think I think Steph will put up forty. I think Klay will put up like twenty five, and I think everyone else will play better because of that.
0: Um, I mean, we'll see. I, if they if the Raptors can do this again, where they hold them, you, holding them to zero transition threes is absurd. Mm-hmm. But like limit them to transition threes, I think they have a good chance.
1: I really do. I, I listen. I I like the Raptors. I as much as anyone would like to see them knock off the King, or the not the King. Whoa, <laughs> easy, easy. Whoa. <laughs> easy. <laughs> The proverbial king. So Steph Curry is the new king, LeBron James. So Steph Curry, new king, LeBron James doesn't exist. Go fuck himself. No. But um, I I think that it would be nice to see the Golden State Warriors lose. I think it would be way more satisfying to see them lose to a LeBron James-led team. But it would be nice for the Raptors' first final appearance. Probably going to be their only final appearance um, if Giannis gets better. I mean, for a while. If Giannis gets better, it's going to be interesting. And I still – I don't know that we put out the podcast where I – I don't think we did that I said uh, we have this unreleased treasure trove (laughs) um, of two episodes. But uh, I I said Giannis was going to be the best player to never win a finals. And as of right now, I'm sticking to it unless over the summer I see videos of him actually like with a serviceable jump shot. Or yeah. any kind of post moves. He's literally like a way better Kwame uh, Brown. Oh, Brown <laughs> Based on Stephen A's rant. <laughs> Can't put a post move to memory. He has big hands, so he doesn't have tiny hands like Kwame mm-hmm. Brown, according to Stephen A. Smith. He can move. He can move, but he, he doesn't have that post skill. I think the only thing that he relates to Kwame Brown is the post skill. Kwame yeah. <laughs> Brown probably had a better jump shot, though. Maybe <laughs> we'll never know. He, he never played. You think Giannis could hit one and three. <laughs> if, Listen, given ten if I gave Giannis 10, yes, I absolutely think uncontested Giannis could hit 10, could hit probably hit eight. I think Ben Simmons is not shooting. <laughs> yeah. I think Ben Simmons would be like, no, nah, it's all right. I'll take my millions and, and go, I'm not mm-hmm. going to take the billion. But uh, anyway, I, that's a, that's a d- discussion for a different day, yeah. but uh, we'll get back into that. Sometime. So Warriors in five, you heard it here first. Let us know what you think. That (laughs) works. Listen, man, I'm I'm just saying they have one more game in Toronto. Then they go home. That's big. Well, then they have to play. They have to play in Toronto twice. In that. that. No. Yeah. Oh yeah, they would. It's two two one one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. See. So either way, two games. It's Canada. They're too polite. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, NBA finals. Game. Is there a game tonight?
0: No, no tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah.
1: All right. So June 1st is the next game. And uh, Warriors in five, Warriors in seven. Yep. Those are our predictions. Let us know what you so guys wait, think.
0: One more time. So Warriors in five? Warriors in five. And I have Warriors Wait, seven. what'd you have?
1: I think I had Warriors in seven. You had Warriors in five? I think Warriors in three. Okay. No, yeah, yeah, Warriors yeah. in five. Warriors <laughs> in five. Sorry. All right. So that was NBA Finals talk. So this is Panic Button. Steve, what's your what's your panic button for this week? All right, so panic buttons. I
0: got two actually. Um, I'll start with the Indians. Mm -hmm. The they're ten games behind the Twins right now. Kluber and Clevenger are still hurt. Clevenger, I don't think has picked up
1: a baseball yet, and I think he's no, that's not true. He just picked it up. He's uh, he's throwing a simulated game in Arizona, and they're going to get him in a rehab assignment. I think this week. Okay,
0: so he's still a couple weeks away. Yeah, and Kluber just got his cast off. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm.
1: So he's still a rough one. Yeah,
0: the outfield has been playing like shit, which was expected. They have mm-hmm. nobody out there. They should have signed some free agent outfielders when they had the chance. McCutcheon, three years, fifty million, was very doable for them. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad he ended up with the Phillies, but that's another story. And Jose Ramirez is the biggest thing of all of them. Mm-hmm. So let me read you a few stats. I was listening to the Statcast podcast. Mm-hmm. He has a 59 weighted runs created plus. 100 is the league average.
1: Can you explain to me? Oh, okay.
0: So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's basically how many like runs he's creating mm-hmm. like while he's hitting. Okay. And with 100 being the league average, that means he's 41 below the league average. Jeez. he's I think he's... Um, he's hitting under 200, too. Yeah. His, <laughs> his slash line is 197, 297, 295 right now. That's like Chris Davis numbers. Oh, my God, yeah. And since August 15th of uh, last year, mm-hmm. 183,
1: 302, and 293. I don't mean to cut you off, but Zach Wheeler's hitting over 300. Just want to throw that out there. The <laughs> pitcher for the Mets is hitting over 300. Yeah. <laughs> And no one else on the Mets is hitting over three hundred. Anyway, go we'll, get, ahead. we'll get into the Mets later because I do
0: have something to say about okay. pitch, the Mets pitching. <laughs> Me too. But, um, that's eleventh worst in baseball in that span with a minimum of two hundred plate appearances. Mm-hmm. He has a twenty nine percent hard hit rate this season, which is the fourteenth percentile in the league. He's <laughs> seeing <laughs> it's bad. He's seeing shifts sixty three percent of the time, which is up from thirty nine percent last year, mm-hmm. which might be a lot of the reason that like is causing him to struggle like this. Mm-hmm. And his launch angle it went from 13, degree, uh, 13 degrees when he entered the league to 22 degrees now. So he's been trying to lift a lot of balls lately, I think, and he's trying to hit a lot of home runs. He tried to be like a 40-40 guy last year. or um, hit. I don't know if he would have been 40-40, but he's trying to hit 40 home runs. He was very close. And for a guy his size, that would have been crazy. But I think that fucked him up more than it helped him yeah. in the long run. And right now the Twins, they're first in slugging, first in homers, and first in runs. They're hitting the shit out of the ball they signed some people to low level contracts last year CJ Krohn, Jonathan Scope, Marwin Gonzalez, Marwin Gonzalez mm-hmm. is even playing well and they're playing and they're um they're playing out of their mind. Mm-hmm. Martin Perez is a low yeah, signing was that say. was doing really well. Jacob Ortiz is living up to his contract last year. Um, Jose Barris is still great. Mm-hmm. And I have another thing about it's in my who's cares of the week so I'll get into that later about their pitching mm-hmm. but um. Yeah, and like literally everybody on that team's just producing, and I don't think they're going to slow down anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's been great to see the Twins do what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially after those years with Joe Mauer, they couldn't really put anything together of substance, and now they're finally doing it. Yeah, they um, found, they
0: kind of wasted Joe Mauer's good years, mm-hmm. which kind of leads me to my next panic button too. Okay, which is Joey Votto, and kind of the
1: Reds. Yeah, so I mean the Reds have been, been on the hot seat for mm-hmm. seventeen years. So, <laughs> so he's batting two forty two this year, uh, three forty, mm-hmm. and
0: our uh, all percentage percentage three sixty six slugging. Yikes! With an eighty eight weighted runs created plus, again below the average. Okay, so not, not as but not bad. Yeah, as Jose Ramirez, I think it's because he still walks a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, his slugging since last year is four hundred five, which is not great to see from Joey Votto. No. Um, his strikeout is 23% too this year, which mm. is something you really don't see from Joey Votto a lot. Yeah. Um, he's always been a guy that puts well in play, make mm. good contact. He's probably one of the better hitters in baseball mm-hmm. right now. Um,
1: I mean, in his recent career. history, yeah. In recent
0: history, yeah. Um, his, he has 11% walk rate, which is good for a lot of players, but it's his lowest since 2008. Okay. And he has a 30% hit, or hard hit rate. Mm-hmm. Which and like it kind of seems to me he's thirty five now about to be thirty six yeah age finally started catching up to him mm-hmm. he's not being he's not able to hit the ball as hard and why I said the panic button for the Reds he still has four years on his deal yeah and he's making a hundred million over those
1: four years. yeah and he's gonna and be thirty
0: nine by the time that, that deal no, ends no that's after this year oh so he'll be thirty six before he's
1: any health four more years so he'd be forty wow yeah yeah that's not great. Nope. I mean, also you have to consider the lineup that he's in, though, right? I mean, not that his lineups have been great in past years, but I mean, their best hitter outside of him is Derek Dietrich, who is literally having the season yeah. of his life. I mean, he's doing well, but like the, the Reds, this
0: Reds team was supposed to hit the ball really well and mm-hmm. not pitch, and it's been the exact opposite. Like as a team, they have like a thirty-five percent hard hit rate. Yeah, and with a team with Puig, Scooter, Jeanette, I think he's been hurt though. Yeah, um, Eugenio Suarez. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some pretty good hitters. It's just that they're not putting it together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I, I mean, I would like to say as a Mets fan, fuck Jesse Winker, um, <laughs> which, I mean, I loved what he did a few, a while ago, but, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure you guys saw that the wave to the crowd and then he, he got tossed <laughs> and then everyone waved at him. So that was fun. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a good young player too, though. He's only 25. So he's, he's on the come up for sure. Um, yeah. And I mean they do have a young enough team. They have they have a team that's a lot of people are coming into their prime. Um Rassel Iglesias has been a great closer mm-hmm. for them. But Luis Castillo's pitching out of his mind this year. Yeah, and he's only twenty six. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would just be nice to see. Sonny Gray's on the Reds. Yeah. Sorry, this he's, is a – No, he's pitching really well for them. like he's not pitching really well for this them. is something should, I should know. He's pitching <laughs> he's
0: pitching well for them. And like their ERA is a lot better. Like they don't have Matt Harvey pitching every game this year. Um, he's stuck for the uh, Angels so far this year too. They rid of Homer Bailey who had like a six ERA last year. Mm-hmm. They they and Sonny Gray has like a four two, which isn't great. But well, that's isn't, than isn't six. Homer
1: Bailey doing really well for Texas? I think he might be. Where might make Think a different person.
0: I think you might Mike Miner maybe.
1: That's who it is. Yeah, yeah he's Minor. pitching really well. For I don't know. They the Rangers. They all blend together at some point, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I I think Joey Votto. I think he's just coming back down to earth a little bit because he was so good and so dominant. I mean, he's Freddie Freeman and him are good comparisons, I think, because Freddie Freeman just hits. You know what I mean? He plays great in the field. He's just constant. And Joey Votto has been constant his whole career. So now it's almost it's kind of like, I guess, LeBron's season this year where it's like he got hurt. He's 34, 35. You know, it tends to happen. I'd compare it more to Tim Duncan at the end of his career. I okay. guess Tim Duncan was like a
0: twenty and ten guy like his entire career, mm-hmm. and then towards the end you saw seeing like ten and eight, and it's like yeah. So where is Tim Duncan? Like I think it's more like that because like I mean there's it no was really, a pretty like, drastic, drastic drop, yeah, off. and it's kind of sad. Like you, you don't want to remember the player for that; you want to remember the player for like what he did before. Though.
1: Exactly, and it's still early. I mean, we're only a third of the way through the season, yeah. um, so you know it's it's early enough where you don't have to be slamming the panic button, but you're definitely like. Just, like, clicking it a little – not clicking it all the way so that it clicks, but just, like – Listen, if you can get back to, like, his – like, an MLB average hitter, Mm -hmm. with his walk rate, like, he's going to be – He's going to be a great producer,
0: yeah. So, I mean, Uh, that's my panic
1: buttons. Who do you got this week? So, my panic button this week is the Toronto Raptors. And that was something we brought up – we alluded to a little bit in our finals uh, breakdown. But the reason – and I know they just won – the uh, the first game of the series, but I think anytime you're playing the Warriors, it's terrifying to have poked the bear. And when, especially when the Warriors don't play well and they're they only lose by nine, that nine points can literally come from five other people on that team. That, five, that nine points can come in three seconds. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> nine, three that nine points is three possessions <laughs> yeah. for where Clay gets open looks or transition threes or literally any shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was one thing that Toronto was doing a little bit was trying to force them off the three point line and giving Clay inside looks. They did it. They did well. Because he, I mean, he had 21, but it wasn't 21 on seven threes. It was 21 on three threes. And then the rest were dunks or layups or uh, foul shots. So I think that they did well, but I think Steve Kerr has shown his ability to game play and uh, kind of switch up what they're doing based on what the defense is giving them. So if they're going to give them open looks inside, they're going to take every open look they give them. And with the way the Warriors go, once they start making shots inside, they start making shots outside. Mm -hmm. So I think for Toronto, you're starting to inch toward... like. Enjoy the win. Tomorrow night is a nerve-wracking game because you need that game. You don't get game two. I don't know that you get – I don't know that you can come back from that going into Oracle for two games. That's going to be tough. And then you get to come home for game four – or five. Sorry, math. math. Not good at math. (laughs) Um, This is why you bring up the numbers and I give my opinions. (laughs) (laughs) You do opinions. You you do opinions. I stick with the facts. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, I mean – uh I think that's gonna be tough. Game two is gonna be gigantic for them. Mm, if true. I mean Kawhi played okay, Pascal Siakam had an insane game. Mm. But I think that's something you can game plan for. He's someone that doesn't create his shot as well as anyone. You know, he, he he's an average shot creator creator. Um, whereas Kawhi is clearly can get his own shot off the dribble. Kyle Lowry is depending on the day. Can get his own shot. Um, <laughs> Marcus Alls is heavily ball reliant. Kyle Lowry getting his own shot is like once every every year. <laughs> Kyle Lowry getting his own shot it's an, it's a national holiday. Kyle point. Lowry getting his own shot is like one of the rarest things on the on the face of the earth. <laughs> but he has the ability to. It's I shouldn't say that his ability to get his own shot is pretty constant. His ability to make his own shot is an issue. Yeah, um, that sucks. <laughs> um, but uh he that's a clock everybody that was it's it's now twelve forty-five, and it's letting us know that it's a quarter of an hour all right um, again with the the numbers it's eleven forty-five. Yeah. quick mass um, <laughs> there are 15 minutes until noon i know that one <laughs> yep there you go <laughs> um, so um, uh so that's my panic button for this week is the raptors i think that they have they have to be careful of getting A little bit overconfident and thinking we have them beat, we figured it out because it's they've won three straight or two straight, been to three in four years, been to five and five in five and four years, Mm -hmm. nope, four in five years. Which which how many have they been to the Warriors? Oh, they they're going for their fourth championship in five years. Correct. Yeah, but they've been to five. Correct. Straight. Um, See again with the numbers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think they have the Warriors have a little more on the line than Toronto because Toronto, it's their first finals. The Warriors are playing without KD. They need to prove something that they're good enough without KD to, to take the championship. Mm. And I think this is a great opportunity for Steph to get his finals MVP by showing out these next four games yeah. and just taking home the chip. We'll see. Warriors in five.
0: Barry McCockner um, would have to switch <laughs> his
1: his uh, Twitter bio
0: if Steph Curry finally finally wins a Finals MVP. What's his Twitter phone bio? It's I gotta look it up now. Um, but going back to what you were saying about the Raptors, um, there's something I wanted to say and I can't remember it right now.
1: Fuck. It's okay. Read the Twitter bio. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. For reference, Barry McCockiner is a great Twitter account follow for sports uh, sports humor. Uh, he tends to shit on Tom Brady a lot, which is great for me personally because I'm a Giants fan. And uh, honestly, if you're any if you're any kind of fan, you fucking hate Tom Brady. So, <laughs> you know, uh, give Barry McCockiner a follow and uh, check out what he's what he's putting out there on his and into the Twitter sphere, as the kids say.
0: So I can't really seem to find it but I
1: don't know, maybe got suspended or something. But it, it said that um,
0: LeBron James – or not LeBron, sorry. Michael Jordan played against um, off-duty fire, firefighters. Tom Brady's assistant quarterback. That's terrific. And Steph Curry, number one, finals MVP. So have to, <laughs> he'd
1: have to remove that part. Oh, yeah, his account is gone. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Interesting. I wonder what he did. Uh, He had some bad tweets. I mean, the. (laughs) Yeah, but
0: a while ago. We'll get back into the WNBA talk in a little bit, but there was like a. You have $15 to build your own WNBA. Oh, yeah. You said, I have $15. Yeah. Yeah, Like, who are you choosing? And he's like,
1: I have $15. (laughs) But also funny. Yeah. Like, not not, (laughs) Uh, PC. No. But still kind of funny. Or we'll go with that. Yeah. It's like. If I had, if I if it was like the Orioles and it's like make a team of fifteen or of like with fifteen dollars with Orioles with the Orioles, I have fifteen dollars. I'm oh, not yeah. picking anyone from the Orioles to yeah. make a team.
0: Trey Man playing pretty well. I'm and not
1: picking anybody from the Orioles to make a team. I would rather spend that fifteen dollars at Froggies.
0: <laughs> I am picking out no for yet. I'm picking out no, uh, yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably gonna spend. I'm spend a little bit on Chris Davis, I'm not gonna lie. Just for the
1: You're out of your goddamn mind. I okay. want a
0: Chris Davis Orioles jersey. I'm not even kidding you. I would love that. Love it. He's been playing well lately. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. After his, like... He hit under 200 last year. Okay, but after his start of the season where he was, like, 0 oh, for whatever, he's been hitting, like... 0 oh, for a million? <laughs> he's hitting, like, 280-something since then, which is, like, decent from him. I gotta look up his, I gotta look that up. Yeah, how many strikeouts? Probably like... 75? Uh, like, 7 or 8, probably. But and I do remember what I wanted to say about the Raptors. I was watching... I didn't get to watch a lot of the game last night. I was coming back from Jersey, mm-hmm. but... I was watching some of the highlights. Some of the shots Pascal Siakam made, I was like, how the fuck did that go in? Mm-hmm. I was watching it with my dad this morning on ESPN, and it was just absurd. So, like, going back to, like, he's good at creating his own shot, but, like, like those aren't always going to fall.
1: They don't look – it's not pretty, though. Yeah. It's not like, oh, he created his own shot, got to his spot, and, like, had, like, a set shot from there. Like, Kawhi will get to a spot and just pull up. Pascal Siakam is, like, a running hook off – the wrong foot with a defender in his face. And it's like, Oh, he created a shot and it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on nights that he's going really well, that happens. And on nights that he's not, it doesn't look great. But, um, so now we're going to get into who cares of the week, which is one of my favorite segments that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, would you want to start this one off then. I would love to. Okay. I would love to. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with the NBA finals. A lot of NBA finals this week for the OG. Um, I'm going to say that Drake is the worst fan outside of spike lee who killed the knicks chances for a championship when he talked shit to reggie miller made the choke sign and then reggie miller buried the knicks and made the choke sign back since then there's never been a fan that has annoyed people this much it's been on national media the nba told him to turn it down which i think is bullshit he's a fan let him be a fan although i think he needs to stop fucking touching coaches that's weird. Giving them massages and stuff. Yeah, like, come on, man. It's a game. Like, this isn't this isn't a movie. You know what I mean? Like, sit down or stand up. I don't give a shit. Don't touch the coaches. I My Who Cares of the Week is who cares about Drake? Why? Like, why does he matter? He's just from Canada. That's literally his whole credential as to why he is important in this series. Like, multiple other stars could have showed up and could show up, and it doesn't matter. But because he's Drake and he's making a spectacle of himself, it bothers me. See, I'm a very superstitious guy, and Drake calling
0: Draymond trash at the end of that game. If that, That's another reason for the panic if, button. If that comes
1: back to bite the Raptors, I'll agree with you. Also, he's the biggest front-runner ever. He has fucking tattoos of Steph Curry and Kevin Durant's numbers on his arm. How do you know they're for Steph Curry and Kevin Durant? It, it, it's, it's, like, it's like... He, he had them covered okay. up with a wristband. Okay. Like, they have okay. pictures of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like... <laughs> And it's not like he's going to have, like, 35 and 30... Like, what, what could they... Mm, latitude like, his longitude. high school numbers when he was on the grassy <laughs> <laughs> <Like>, Maybe. But <laughs> <I, laughs> it bothers me so much. And a, as we're speaking, the, the first take is talking about uh, does the NBA need to stop Drake's silent antics? No, they don't. You can't limit a fan's participation yeah. at a game.
0: They're saying that they, the... I don't know if it's the arena that would ban him, or something. something I can with, see Oracle some, being like, "No, something would ban him because of like how close and uh, like up close and personal he's getting with like it's like, a problem." He touched Steph Curry, and like yeah. even, Steph Curry had something in his hair. He's being a nice guy. It's the Canadian. Yeah, he's him. helping him out, like making a whole spectacle out of it. Like
1: I don't know. Like it's kind of it's kind of getting a little <laughs> out of hand. Here's my thing, right? Who is Drake guarding? Whoever No one.
0: Okay, maybe that too.
1: Dude, you could put Quinn. You could put him on Quinn Cook. You could put him on uh, a hurt Damian Jones. Should I put him on KD. <laughs> Literally <laughs> anybody. He he's not. Steve if Kirk. you're not playing, you can't do this. You can't yeah. like have an exchange with Draymond on the sidelines where it's like about to come to shoves, and yeah. because you're Drake. Yeah. Like if any other fan did this, it would be a huge issue. Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Gets demonized for responding to well, fans. Also racist stuff. Also racist stuff. But a kid that touched him, he was like, listen, you can't touch me. I'm on the court. Drake fucking walking up to a coach and rubbing his shoulders, like getting really up close and personal with Steph Curry and everybody else. Anyone else who does that is getting kicked out of the arena. Mm -hmm. It's literally only because he's Drake that he's an issue. And uh, as I'm sure you guys have noticed after listening to this a little bit, like our podcast, who cares? The week is really everyone like what we care about the most. And this really (laughs) bothers me. And Spike Lee, like, I'm no fan of Spike Lee either when I was a Knicks fan. Like, he bugged me. It was annoying. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care about you. You're a great director. Like, but I don't care that you're at the game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it it just bugs me that he's... They're making it more
0: about themselves in the actual game. Exactly. It goes back to um the picture of Kobe and LeBron in the All-Star game mm-hmm. with um Drake standing up. It kind of ruins the picture he made it about him. Yeah. It's kind of annoying.
1: With all this being said, though... I love watching Drake on the sideline right now. I think he's a great fan. The, but I don't want the focus of the game to be on Drake while mm-hmm. the game is going. Like, I don't care. It's, like, players only. That's that's kind of, like, on the networks themselves, though, too. Because, like, you
0: can – and also as social – like, people on social media. Yeah. Like, we're going to find stuff that we, like, find funny. And then we're going to retweet it. And then it's just going to get farther and farther and farther. And, like, that's what's happening with Drake. Like, I, I don't know if you saw um, when Clay got the tech. And Drake did
1: the hotline bling behind him because Clay said he's skipping that on his um, yeah. playlist all week. That's hysterical. Yeah, it's funny. But, like, I'm cool with that. It's a, it's a lull in the game. Mm-hmm. But, like, if someone makes a shot, I don't care about you. Like, and I understand it's a it's a choice of the director and, uh, you know, like, when to switch to that camera. Mm-hmm. But, and I understand why you're doing it because it's an interesting storyline. But at the same time, like, I want to see the game. Like and, and the reason I brought up players only, like the, the broadcast style, mm-hmm. is because they do this thing where it's like they'll have the four people like watching the game, and it's focused on them from the studio, and then this this like, quad box of the game. And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't care about any of the people that are – I don't need to see you. Mm-hmm. It was the same thing with the with – I don't know if anyone watched the NBA Combine, but you don't see the Combine. You fucking watch Rachel Nichols and Michelle Beadle or whoever and guests. And it's like, that's great. I love watching the jump. <laughs> I don't want to watch the jump if I'm watching the combine. I'm yeah. fine with hearing you talk about what's going on or what the, the person's doing. And every now and then cut intercut, like, oh, like we're sitting at this, this you know, whole booth and everything, whatever, like mm-hmm. we're talking. It's like, it was, I think it was Rachel Nichols and uh, Tracy McGrady or someone, I, I don't even know. But it was one of ESPN's reporters or a couple of them probably – uh and they were talking to like various guests various prospects uh executives that were there and it's like i don't care about watching you talk like i don't care about watching you sit and have a conversation i want to watch what's going on on the court because i want to know about the prospects that are playing i want to know who's playing well who didn't do well i don't care about sitting like the nfl combine is an event that you watch you watch them do the drills you watch them go through the you know uh like the gauntlet for receivers, you watch that. You watch quarterbacks throw. You, like I want to see them. I want to see players play at a thing that's supposed to be about them playing, not about the conversations you're having with executives about their offseason plans. Like I don't care. Um, and that's how I feel about Drake. Is like, I don't care about you in this scenario. Like in this context, you don't matter. You literally the least important. You're just as important. You're just as important as every other fan, which is not that important to the context of the game. So.
0: Yeah. Thomas, you you have a lot of hot takes usually. I'm going to have a hot take of my own right now. Drake is the best celebrity superfan since Meek Mill. And I only say since Meek Mill because Meek Mill led the Eagles to a Super Bowl
1: from prison. Yeah, he did. And you know what wasn't the storyline? Meek Mill. It kind of was because they played Meek Mill at the beginning of the game. Yeah, no, it was exciting. And well, he came out, and he did, and then even yeah. for the Sixers, he was big for them. Yeah, but he's not sitting on the sidelines, touching players, yelling, touching yeah. coaches. Yeah. Well, like, come on, it's
0: a little different in football. And like when Big Dick Nick comes out of nowhere, but even basketball, he was
1: he's he's like a uh, yeah, an ambassador yeah, 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 yeah. for them, the That's same right. way Drake right. is for the Raptors. That's right. So Meek Mill can keep himself composed on the sidelines, and Drake has to make himself a spectacle, which is part of their their whole beef. That Drake yeah, they squashed it, but they they did squash it. They played ping pong. It's fun, and they they had like <laughs> six song going bad,
0: but. Anyway, I'm sticking <laughs> up with my hot take. And I'll, I'll go with my who cares of the week. Now. Okay. I'm sorry. I took no, a little while. no, you're fine. If you're passionate about it, it happens. Fuck true. <laughs> so, this is my first one. I was listening to the Brewers-Pirates game on the radio yesterday on my drive home. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about Chase Anderson. Mm-hmm. He had 30 starts last year, but he only pitched 158 innings. So, he didn't qualify for the ERA title. He had a three... Something like a three... 30 era Mm -hmm. like it wasn't close it wasn't it wasn't it wouldn't have won him the era title or anything Mm -hmm. but one of the broadcasters i'm not sure who i don't know the pirates broadcasters like that so i don't know which one it was Mm -hmm. but said if you're pitching 150 innings if you're only pitching 150 innings you don't deserve to be in the era conversation because you're not pitching enough innings Mm -hmm. my thing is it's a changing game pitchers aren't going nine innings every time they go out there anymore yeah pitchers are going five and six innings and then giving it to the bullpen. Especially in Milwaukee when you have Josh Hader who pitches 2 to 3 innings every yep. relief appearance. Mm-hmm. You got to change the rule at some point. Like it's 162 right now. You could lower that to 150 and you're not even going to have a reliever qualify for it.
1: Yeah, I all. feel like 150
0: is probably a good spot. Yeah, like he had a 2.74 in 2017 ERA mm-hmm. and he pitched 140 innings. A little low there. Yeah. I'd like to see a little more. Like he had 25 starts, if he had like 27 mm-hmm. and so had an ERA like that, that would have been better. But To say that 150 is not enough innings for a pitcher to qualify for the ERA title Mm -hmm. just seems absurd to me. And I think baseball, it's not a huge rule change, but I think that should be lowered.
1: Yeah, I don't really know where they get the number. Um, I don't know when they made that rule. but Yeah, I'm sure not recently. (laughs) Going baseball, (laughs) it's
0: probably when the in first started. Yeah, it's from like
1: 1898. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, I think um, think it's interesting – that you bring it up because, and like you said, it doesn't matter that much because he wouldn't have qualified for really anything. Well, he wouldn't have
0: won it. Yeah. Like I mean, as, DeGrom, was DeGrom, DeGrom had a one mind.
1: seven yeah. and then, but there was also people above him that were like two, you know, like low twos. Mm-hmm. Um Like Scherzer was, you know, mid twos. Right. And things like that. Nolo, so Nola was up there too. It doesn't necessarily matter that much, but I think the problem that you might run into with that is where do you, like, how do you compare for like a Cy Young? You know what I mean? Like, if you have a pitcher with like a 1.5 ERA, but he's only thrown one hundred and fifty one innings, compared to Degrom last year, who has a 1.7 and barely won ten games, it's now noon for <laughs> <Barely> everyone <laughs> listening. It's now noon on May thirty first. Um, so you have you know Degrom who throws over like well over two hundred innings, or at least over two hundred innings. Yeah, he threw a lot. Um, and you know the, all the strikeouts, the whole thing. How do you, like, how far does that go? Like, where? how far does that actually end up mattering? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you're actually going to get considered for awards, or you're going to get considered for recognition. And I think like that starts a, uh, like, a UCF argument, where it's like, we're the real champions, we didn't lose. It's like, yeah. no, you're not. You know, like, you didn't, who did you play? Mm-hmm. It's almost like, all right, well, you pitched, like, 70 or 80 innings less than the guy who came in second, or the guy who won. So how can you say... That you want. So I, yeah. I agree with you that it should be lowered, but mm-hmm. I wonder the the issues that it may pose in the future.
0: Well, I mean, baseball is an archaic sport. We both know that. They, yeah. they really don't move on from stuff. They do not they evolve do. quickly. Sean Doolittle had a perfect tweet about it. He was like, um, for a game that, where the players still wear button up shirts and pants, like <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't age very quickly. Um, the ground pitched 217 innings last year, by the way. And I completely agree with you, but I think last year Cy Young proved that the new way of thinking is already getting to that. Michael Wilbon said that Jacob deGrom shouldn't have won a Cy Young because he only had 10 wins.
1: Yeah, that's stupid.
0: People were like, that's
1: fucking stupid. Like, he pitched well. The fact that his team didn't hit for him is not his fault. I mean, the fact that he gave up barely over a run a game and was, yeah, no. Michael Wilbon, I saw that take and I was very upset Yeah, like,
0: I mean, like, there was another, like, stat. Like, if they literally give him, like, three runs of
1: support, he would have, like, 29 wins or something like that. Yeah. Which is absurd. I mean not definitely not twenty nine, but it was like it' for, up there. Mid for 20s. Sure. Yeah. No, he would have had like twenty four or twenty five, yeah. I think. It's it's very it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, especially for me as a Mets fan, it's really sad.
0: <laughs> you want to talk about unfortunate Max Scherzer's relief ERA right now is like, like one an, and a half.
1: Yeah, it's insane. It's insane.
0: <laughs> nuts. But um
1: love to see it as a Mets fan though.
0: Yeah, I feel like like what you said, like the whole innings thing, if somebody's not pitching as many as the next guy, mm-hmm. I still think they're gonna realize like, hey, um this guy didn't this guy pitched more innings and maybe didn't have the same ERA, but still like he had a better, I think we had a better year here.
1: Yeah. Because he had so much more sales. Right.
0: I think the new way it's thinking is going to help out in, mm-hmm. that, in that aspect. And like, they're going to look at more than just ERA. They're going to look at FIP. They're going to look at um, yeah. batting average against and all the like the new age, uh mm-hmm. metrics and stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's one spot where I, I do appreciate like analytics and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm, we've had this conversation. I'm not a huge analytics guy. You mm-hmm. are. Um, but I think that's good in, in evaluating end of year stats mm-hmm. rather than like for like awards and stuff rather than in season being like, Oh, we well, we're going to, or like off season saying like, Oh, well this guy, like the, the money ball thing, mm-hmm. which uh, we might, I, I might get into in our, our MLB talk coming up. Yeah. But, uh, all right. So that was who cares of the week. Mm-hmm. So takeaways, Drake sucks. According to me, he's pretty cool. According to you, <laughs> second best super fan, second best super fan in recent history. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I mean, and then also ERA stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, gotta gotta change those numbers up a little bit. Yeah. But God knows on, the MLB. Baseball. We're better than this. MLB is not wild about changing. Nah, um, no. And like you know, he said, Sean Doolittle with the button-up shirt and pants, they also wear stirrups. Stirrups. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's it's sacred. But it's They're also so like sick. like you're wearing like dress socks. <laughs> stirrups are sick. <laughs> they are sick. Yeah. Big fan. Never warm in high school, but big fan. Um, all right, so that was Who Cares the Week. All right, so baseball season well underway now um, since our last podcast. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, this is Keep Baseball Relevant again, or Make Baseball Relevant Again. Yeah. Whatever title you want to call it. We'll figure it
0: out. Just baseball relevance because, yeah. like we said earlier, the whole button-up shirt and everything. It's the best game on the face
1: of the earth. It really is, and it doesn't get it to respect it. Deserves. No, it does not. It's its literally the best time in baseball right mm-hmm. now. Like, There's so much young talent um, both coming up and in the league. And it's such a shame because they can't market players. Yeah, exactly. Like Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout. I mean, Bellinger plays in L.A., like in L.A., in L.A., not in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I think he's a little more recognizable. But – um, you know, even Bryce Harper is, like, the like the most recognizable star in the league, and he's terrible yeah. right now. Well, like so, he, he's doing Bryce Harper things. He goes into a slump every now and then. I mean, every every three years he's bad, and then he goes and wins an MVP, and then he's okay again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but – and even players like – if you look at the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays are going to be unbelievable in a few years. With Lourdes Goriel, uh, Kevin Vigio. Um, Bobachette. Bobachette. Vladdy. Vladdy. Um, they still have the Stroh Show. I think they're going to trade him. Though. They should trade him to the Mets. That would be wonderful. <laughs> him and Steven – so him and Steven Matz are both from Long Island. Ooh. And they used to play against each other. And it was like a spectacle. Mm. Um, so, so what I'm hearing is you should be traded to an, another NL East team so they can play against each other. <laughs> no. So what you're mean? hearing <laughs> – No. <laughs> what you're hearing is that the Mets probably shouldn't have traded for fucking Sugar Diaz and Robinson Cano and instead used a prospect on a pitcher – who actually will do something for them because Stroman has been one of the best pitchers in baseball and he plays for the Blue Jays and he barely, he only got his first win like a week ago.
0: Well, let's get into it. Since speaking of the Mets, we were talking about this earlier. Um, You're a Mets fan. You can start off with the takes. You got into it a little bit there, but keep going.
1: what else you got to say? So let me paint a picture for you, Steve. In a game where the Mets hit four home runs, Pete Alonso hit two of them, hit number 17 and eight or 18 and 19, one behind Bellinger for the, uh, the league lead in 20. Because Yelich has 21. Oh, Yelich does have 21? Yeah. I, I thought Bellinger was... Ah, okay. Yeah. Strike that. We're going we're gonna to paint over that part of the picture. <laughs> so, in a game where the Mets have four home runs, they play unbelievably well. Cindergaard pitched well, gave up three earned runs. It was 8-3 going into, I believe, the seventh or eighth inning. I was awake at the time. Wasn't watching the game because I don't have... Even if I had MLB TV... I don't think it would work because of the blackouts with with, uh, the New York teams. Um, So I was following it on ESPN periodically on my ESPN Plus app. And I was like, you know what, 8-3, I can go to bed. It's probably okay. You know, Diaz probably won't need to be used, but they might. They might decide to. Um, And then they brought in the bullpen in the seventh inning. And, And, you know, one earned run here or there. For each for the two pitchers that they that they use, I believe it was Gaselman, and I don't remember who the other person was. Might have been Santiago. Give up a run, eight five. Still comfortable, you know, not not terrible. The Dodgers are a great hitting team, but we have Diaz. He's supposed to be our savior in the bullpen. Comes in four straight extra base hits, two home runs. Game over, nine eight. What kind of a world do we live in? Where a team with one of the best closers in baseball can't even fucking win a game, and Jerry Colenix hitting three sixty in the minors as a night as a twenty year old kid, and we just traded him for Cano, who doesn't run out ground balls, old, which is I mean old thirty six, but we know he doesn't run out ground balls, not new, but why thirty six years old, a lot of a lot of salary, even though you had the Mariners take some, and the prize was Sugar Diaz. And he's one in three. He has 13 saves. Decent. Mm-hmm. One and three. Almost every time he comes in, he gives a well, run.
0: That's also like, it's also a lot of the time when relievers come in, they're going to lose more than they win just
1: because, like, yeah, no, that, if they blow a save and stuff like that. Yeah, fine. no, no. I understand. But you don't want to have four decisions as a reliever this early in the season either. Right. Yeah. You'd rather have, like, three and one or four and oh. Exactly. Or even even if he was one and two, I wouldn't be as upset because it's like, all right, you know, a couple, a couple bounces one way or the other. Yeah. But the fact is that every time I watch a game, it seems like he comes in and gives up a run. Every one of the relievers. Hmm. Drew Gagnon has been the uh, the only one that's been somewhat consistent. They called him up and he has he's three and one right now as a reliever, which isn't great. But it also shows that their offense is resilient. It just bothers me that. When I watch other bullpens, watching the even watching the Dodgers bullpen in the series, which is crazy because the Dodgers are known to not have a good bullpen. Exactly, their bullpen's not great. They boosted it a little bit with Joe Kelly, but he got kind of shelled the other night. Yeah, and that's one guy. Too. Um, but I mean, Kenley Jansen's sick. Pedro Baez is reliable. Yeah. Um, so I think even watching them, where their bullpen isn't the best, but it's still consistent. You know who their setup guy is going to be. You know who their closer is going to be. You know who their middle relief is generally going to rotate around. With the Mets, it seems like there's no direction. Jerry's Familia should be, like, banned from New York. <laughs> the fact that you that you signed him and not Adovino for the same amount of money is mind-blowing to me. If they don't sign Kimbrel as a setup guy yeah. or as a multiple – because they refuse to use Diaz in four, for, like, more than three outs. Mm-hmm. They're starting to change that view a little bit, but they, that's what their stance for the most part of the season. If you're not going to do that, bring in Kimbrell. Just as a backup. Yeah. Use him as a setup guy or use him for a multiple-out save, yeah. depending on matchups. He throws 100 miles an hour. What, what why, why, why are you losing? He's not going to command a big contract at this point. You have okay. time to bring him along so you can keep Familia on the side. Use him as a seventh-inning guy where it's not going to make or break the game if he gives up three runs in the eighth. You know, if he gives up three runs in the seventh, it still sucks. Mm. But you have more time. Mm. Or even a sixth, sixth inning guy in like a short se- like scenario where you need to get someone else ready. Yeah. So that's my take on the Mets. It's very um, frustrating. I mean, I'm completely with you. The NL East with the Braves and the – the
0: Braves and Phillies show no sign of slowing down. So you need to act quickly. And mm-hmm. signing Kimbrough as quickly as possible would be the greatest thing for the Mets. And another kind of thing to worry about with the Mets is Noah Syndergaard. Mm-hmm. So he's three and four in the season, with a four point nine ERA and a two seventy three batting average against. Yes, yeah, that's great. pretty high for him. Not great. Um, his home runs per nine is up. He's averaging it's I think it's a little over one. It's like one point two home runs mm-hmm. every nine innings, which isn't crazy like bad. Yeah, like, that's- just more than he usually does. Mm-hmm. And his FIP is a, a three six two, and like what FIP is, it converts like a pitcher's true three true outcomes into an earned run average kind of number. Okay, so it's like the home run. Hit by pitch, walking strikeouts. Okay. Um, over innings pitched. But there's a crazy formula for it. I'm not going to really get into it. It's a lot higher than it usually is. Yeah. I, my brain doesn't work that <laughs> way. His 3.6, three, his 3. like last year was like a one point something, and now it's a 3.6.
1: Yeah. I, so, I think he's he's still 26 years old, 25 years old. Like he has he's time not, to figure it out. he's not old enough where it's worrisome, but it's getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. He's a great pitcher. I think he has to learn how to take, and he's done it a little bit this year. But he has to learn how to take thing, take a little off his pitches, and utilize the utilize the ball more, and uh, utilize the strike zone and kind of maximize his abilities to get guys out. Not necessarily by the strikeout. You know, it's not high school anymore. Just because you throw a hundred doesn't mean that you're going to automatically strike everybody out. If you learn, and I think that's what DeGrom learned a little bit last year, and I think that's part of the problem that he's having this year is that he's throwing harder this year by a lot. He's throwing 97, sometimes 98. Last year he was sitting 95, 96, which doesn't seem like a huge difference, but it is in the grand scheme of things because you're putting that much more effort and you're losing that much command Mm -hmm. for those two extra miles an hour it's going to move. So we were talking, a lot of the talk with
0: hitters, especially like hitters like Joey Gallo or Cody Bellinger, Mm -hmm. if you take away a little bit of their their swing force to make more contact because they're both yep. really strong guys. So if they take a little bit off, they're still going to hit the home runs as they do it. And they're going to make more contact. Mm-hmm. Joey Gallo is batting 278 right now. He's still striking out a lot, but he's, it's a good year for him. He's re- having a really good year. He had his finally hit his hundredth single. Oh, there we go. <laughs> it's about time. And it's kind of the same with pitchers mm-hmm. like throwing 97, 98, all great. Mm-hmm. But when you're not very wild or not very, um, controlling with it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really help the situation. Throwing 94, 95 and spotting it is going to be better than throwing 97, 98 all over the place. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. A, a little thing I found when I was um, looking at Noah Syndergaard on fan graphs, his slider's down 4 miles an hour and his curveball's down 3 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a huge thing. like I, His slider maybe, just because I knew he, he always had that hard breaking slider that was very mm-hmm. sharp and moved like swept just swept his own. Mm-hmm. And he's throwing it a lot less now. He's throwing it 12.8% of the time as opposed to 20% last year. Yeah. So he's not throwing it as much, which might be another sign of, like, why doesn't he throw more? I mean, Mm. he's been good with it. So, I don't know. And even worse, the game last night for the Mets, Jason Vargas went seven and gave up one. Which is yeah. probably real upsetting. It's as a it's Mets the fan. best
1: start that he's had in his tenure for the Mets, and it was wasted. And he's honestly, I was I was pretty pissed that they were even starting him against the Dodgers because I was like, how do you start a guy that throws eighty five miles an hour against the best hitting team in baseball? Yeah. Um, and I mean, it worked out. He he pitched very well, and I've been pretty outspoken in my dislike of Jason Vargas as a pitcher for sure, um, for understandable reasons. He's been very bad for the Mets, mm-hmm. although this season kind of with an IL stint sandwich between, he's been pretty good. Um, and uh, you know, I but I would much rather see him get replaced by Dallas Keuchel than remain in the rotation and see him as a long relief guy like a Seth Lugo, how they yeah. have him for you know longer stretches, they can add a lefty arm to that kind of uh mindset. I don't think they'll sign both
0: Kimbrough and Keichel. I think they're, I don't think they will either. I think it'd be better for them to sign Kimbrough. And I really, really hope the Twins sign Keiko I yeah. mean, a lot of teams should look into Keuchel at this point. I know a lot of it's they're waiting for that um, um, that pick to go away. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think today's the last day. Uh, I, think, I think it's it's either June first or June second. Okay. not sure. But when when it starts, well, it's, yeah, yeah. But I mean, and a bunch of teams are probably calling the. I know the the Rays are looking at him too because Glass now is on the sixty day IL now. So, yeah, so they could really use him. Um, but yeah, I mean. The Mets need to figure some stuff out fast. Oh, I mean apparently the Yankees are the front runner for Keiko. Speaking of Yankees, they're what 39 and 16 on the season? Yeah, they're killing it. It's insane. So it's really annoying. I have a few st- like I I don't have much on them. I have that they're 9 and 7 against teams over 500, which is good.
1: It's okay, yeah. But
0: it's not not crazy, but they're beating up on teams that they're supposed to beat up on, which was yeah. a huge problem for the last year. You yeah. could not figure out how to beat the Orioles last year. Yeah, no, they the really could and This year up. it has
1: not been a problem. Yeah,
0: it, which is great to see. Clint Frazier has been playing unbelievable against them. So has Glaber. Um, <laughs> uh, Urshela's is like
1: – he's seen as a defensive guy, but he's hitting the shit out of the ball too. Mm-hmm. And Listen, I'm telling you, don't bother with – and like they tried to rush Andrew Hart back, and I was like, why? You know what I mean? Like Urshela's yeah. playing the way he's playing. There's no point. Same with Didi. They're thinking about bringing DD back like soon. Yeah. It's They're like, saying he has a
0: couple rehab stints. He's gotta play like consecutive nine in the games. Yeah.
1: But you'd bring him on
0: as a DH, which would be nice. Yeah. Because Lemay's playing great at second base. Yes. And Glaber is playing short
1: pretty well. Yeah, exactly. So like you nothing to worry about there. I mean, so my thing we you know what we could talk about is uh the our all star ballot too. Oh um, yeah. But I, I submitted mine my my five daily picks the other day. And, uh, in our group chat with, with a couple of our friends, we were talking about, like I gave my picks and, uh, I, I didn't pick Torres as the shortstop and granted, I'm no Yankee fan, but I, I respect talent. You know, I picked Luke, uh, I don't know that I picked Luke Boyd. I think I did. Um, and, uh, I picked Gary Sanchez as well for, for the AL catcher. But, um, the reason I didn't pick Torres, you know, he has 13 home runs. He's, he's playing well. But 12 of those are against one team. Yeah. It's the Orioles. And it's like, you're basically hitting against like the Mets' AA affiliate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're not good. No. And their pitching's even worse Yeah, um, than everyone else on their team. So, like, that kind of, I feel like, puts a little asterisk. Because it's like, not many other teams have the luxury of playing the Orioles. You know, eight times a year. Or whatever. How many times they play them. They play them 19. Or... 19 games, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, I I feel like that puts a little bit of an asterisk on how they've been doing so far because you play so many in-division games to start the year that it's like when you play the Orioles, you know, three or four times to start, you get like a, uh, a little boost to mm. start your year where it's like, all right, we get to play the worst team in baseball by far. Four times before the All-Star, before we even get to June. Or three times before we even get to June. So if we sweep all those games, or even if we drop one game, and let's say they're three game series, all of them, you're eight and one off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like you're getting spotted these games. So, listen, they've been they've played really well against the team they're supposed to be
0: playing against. They play, they beat up against the Orioles. Mm-hmm. They beat up they've played a lot of the bad teams in the Central. So they beat up on the Royals and the Tigers, which is great to see. But. This weekend is going to be a huge test for them because they got the Red Sox this weekend. Mm-hmm. And they got to see – like, seeing how they play against the Red Sox is going to really prove they, – they're seven and a half up on the Red Sox right now. They're half game up on the Rays. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But here's a couple more stats about the Orioles' starting pitchers. Yikes. So, this was May 22nd. Home runs allowed during the season. Mm-hmm. The starting pitchers for the Orioles allowed 60. The, reliever, the re- relievers – the relievers – the relievers – the relievers gave up 40. Rays pitchers as a total gave up 40, mm-hmm. which is absurd. The, the um, Rays had 60 less home runs given up as a staff. Mm-hmm. And then um, at home, they've allowed – on May 22nd, they allowed 57 at home and 43 on the road. They're giving up home run after home run, which is just
1: not a great look. Which for is like why Glaber shouldn't be an all-star because of that. We
0: can always talk about all star. Maybe we can release another podcast later or sometime next week. Yeah, next and week we'll, we'll get into the next week. Yeah, because we're really,
1: got a little overtime now, but yeah. a, lot,
0: um, a lot of time on our hands. Um, but going, I guess it's kind of a little bit of a segue, going right into the stay stay in the hitting kind of aspect. Two fans were hit by foul balls yesterday.
1: Yeah,
0: um, Alex Verdugo in the Mets Dodgers game. The guy stayed in the stadium. He looked okay. Mm. Huge ass bump on his forehead, but he looked he looked happy. Looks like he's having a good time, but the other one was really bad. Albert Almora Jr. lined one down the line. Hit a little girl's square in the face. She was screaming. I think she was taken to the hospital. Haven't yeah, seen she, any was, she updates. was okay. Yeah.
1: She was stable and everything.
0: It Which is good. Scary. But if you look, Almora's reaction was all over Twitter yesterday. Mm-hmm. He had to be consulted by the, the security at mid and mid. Mm-hmm. Kyle Schwarber is the best team in it in the world. I don't know if you saw that video. Almora distraught on the bench and the camera was on him, and Kyle Schwarber literally just walks in front of the camera and just stands there. That's cool. Yeah, which was great, site. Kyle Schwarber, good job. Good I for you. I love Kyle Schwarber. What a guy. He's one of the few people in the Cubs that I enjoy. Yeah, but um, baseball really needs to, like, we need to change rules, and they're trying to do the whole pitch clock and all this stupid shit, get netting all the way down the line.
1: Yeah, they're trying to change the game in the wrong ways. Yeah. Um, and I was a big no-netting guy for a while, um, and I think the outpouring of players saying we need more nets kind of tells you what has to happen. Fans saying
0: that it ruins their view, I understand that it's a little bit of an inconvenience to look through a
1: net, Yeah, but still, like, it's... I it's mean, I, a- I think there's a way to do it where maybe not even a netting, but like a uh, kind of like hockey has, like, the plexiglass. Like, do that. You know what yeah. I mean? Then there's no issue. You can see through it. It's transparent. And you're protected from, you know, things rifling through the, mm-hmm. uh, the stands. So I don't know if they can get plexiglass that high though. It'd, it'd be, I mean,
0: how, but how high are you going to make it though? I mean, the net, netting's pretty high, like behind home plate and all that. Well, well behind, behind home plate different, different, but like above the dugouts and everything, it still gets pretty high, like up there. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if they could. And like the whole, like, Oh, but what about foul balls and all that? Like you throw it over plexiglass. Like, like they, they, the ball boys and ball girls, mm-hmm. um, and the players, like, they can get it over the place. It's not going to be a big deal. Yeah, they, if you, that's
1: your biggest concern, then you, you probably should. Re- you need to invest does. in something. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it was a really touching moment. And even when he went over to the security guard, he broke down mm-hmm. and, uh, and then ended up leaving the game, yeah. which is understandable. I would um, too. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's horrible um, to see for sure, especially when it comes to a kid. I think it always has more impact when anything happens to children on, you know, uh, emotional responses. Mm-hmm. so, um, I mean, no one would be happy when they hit a line drive into the stands and hit someone in the face, but especially when it's a little kid, you never want that to happen. Um, so I think they need to find a way to do it. I think it'll take a little while though, and it's not going to be an instant fix. Oh um, yeah. Which I mean is, is obviously because they, they don't have the time to necessarily do it in every ballpark and make sure it works. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'll end up being an off-season thing, so we'll have to put up with... It definitely you know, is going to be an off-season thing. Another, another couple months of, of that. But um, I think it's a it's a no-brainer that they'll end up fixing it. Oh, yeah, for sure. They have to but, if they want to keep selling tickets and stuff. Yeah, and I mean, ticket sales are down. I saw on ESPN uh, yesterday, it was like down 1.3% or something like that, which is not a huge thing, but it's still a, a decrease, which is something they haven't really seen recently. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I think that wraps up our MLB stuff yeah keep baseball relevant for, yeah, gotta for this week make baseball relevant again mm-hmm. <laughs> Got always got to adapt that uh, saying so <laughs> alright All right, so we're we're thinking about doing something a little different for our show where it's going to be a, a recurring segment uh, Steve you can you can introduce it if you'd like you came up with it so the WNBA
0: yeah so um WNBA has a very, very like we talk about baseball having trouble marketing. WNBA is even worse. Um, Not a lot of people pay attention to it. It's over the summer. It's really the only sport other than baseball that's going on over the summer. We have the women's world cup this year, which should be a little interesting, but we need to make, we we talk about making baseball relevant again. We really need to make the WNBA relevant. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick a team from the Eastern conference and the Western conference each, Mm -hmm. um, and we're just going to – every week we're going to talk about them, how they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little bit about their stats, a little fun facts about the team.
1: Yeah, just kind of introduce it to people who aren't necessarily familiar. Yeah. Um, and uh, so if we want to get into it, I, I, I went with the Las Vegas Aces. Okay. Uh, Western Conference. Got a love a team from Vegas. Mm-hmm. Also, they have uh, three potential superstars. They also have a former uh, Notre Dame star. Two two former Notre Dame stars, uh, now because they had the number one pick this year and uh, let me see, I forget her name off the top of my head. It's probably not great. Uh, Jackie <laughs> Young, not a great start to Making WNBA relevant. <laughs> Jackie Young. She uh she went to Notre Dame. She was a star at Notre Dame. She's uh she came out as a junior, and was the number one pick. They also have Kelsey Plum, who was a number four, another former overall pick, number one overall pick, uh, from Washington. And she was there at the same time as Markel Fultz, and that was a big storyline. That she uh, Kobe actually reached out to her because she was putting up such crazy numbers. She scored thirty five hundred career points, uh, which is insane. And uh, they also have uh, Asia Wilson, who's a stud. Like, I mean, this is her going into her second season. I don't remember if she was a number one overall pick. I don't believe she was, mm. um, but. Uh, they have, those three are like their big three right now. And they also have Kayla McBride, who is another Notre Dame, uh, graduate. Um, so, or I don't know about graduate, but definitely a star. Um, and I remember watching her when she was there. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so those are the reasons that I picked them. Um, you know, pretty big stars in the league, young stars as well with Kelsey Plum only being in her second year and Jackie Young being a rookie and Asia Wilson being, or I guess Kelsey Plum being in her third year, but, Going into her third year, but Asia Wilson going into her second, and Jackie Young being a rookie, um, so those are all kind of cool storylines to watch, and they're you know bringing a little more swagger to the WNBA and kind of making it more interesting. So, who's your uh, Western Conference? So, I'm going to go with the Seattle Storm. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up winning the um, WNBA
0: Finals last year. They are without both of their superstars Oh, okay, so you're a front runner. I'm a little bit of a front runner asshole, but. <laughs> I don't really know if you can call me a front runner here because Super no, call you a front runner. Suberd and well, they won the
1: championship <laughs> last
0: year. <laughs> <laughs> and Brianna Stewart both went down with injuries um, before the season even started. I know Brianna Stewart was overseas playing because they don't make enough yeah. here, so she has to go overseas and she tore her Achilles. Mm-hmm. And Superd just had knee surgery. I believe she tore her ACL. I'm not too sure. It might have been meniscus, mm-hmm. but they don't know if she's returning for this year or not. I'm just interested in the storyline to see how they play without their two stars. Mm-hmm. I want to see if players like um, Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis would step up. I want to see if Jewel Lloyd will step up. They're both to, sick. Yeah. They have some <laughs> decent players on this team. So it'll be interesting. They have some veteran leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting Interesting to see what Seattle does this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, got to love a team from Seattle. Gotta, I, I really enjoy, like that we both pick teams that don't have NBA teams mm-hmm. there. Um, so they can have a little bit more success, I think, mm-hmm. and a little more draw. I guess Vegas is a little tougher because there's so many attractions there. But uh, and Seattle should have an NBA team. But we'll yeah, Seattle should have a NBA team. time. Honestly, both probably should. But yeah. Sure. Um. So those are, I think, those are good picks for for both of those. My Eastern Conference pick, or actually, let's go with you for your, for your Eastern
0: Conference. Pick. All right, I'm going to be called a front runner again because. I'm picking the other team that made the finals. I'm going to go with the Washington. You fucking <laughs> suck, dude. You really suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the Washington Mystics. They're off to a bad start this year. They're on 1 one. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Really off to a bad start, dude. Uh, I don't know. They're they're a good team. Elena Deladon's the the star player on that team. Love Elena Deladon. She was great to watch in Delaware. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. It'll be interesting to watch her again. Or... Continue to watch her mm-hmm. in the WNBA. She's going to be at, in New York a lot because they're going to be playing the Liberty a lot. Yep. So we'll try to get to those games. Um, I don't know. Let's see if they can get back to the finals and hopefully win a game this year. They got swept last year. So it's kind of tough.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not, not a great way to go into the finals yeah. and coming into a new season, but you know, hopefully they can turn that around. Um, so I went with the hometown team, New York Liberty. They play, you know, right down the road in uh, white Plains uh, at the County center. So we can check out some of those games mm-hmm. and, uh you know, they have a lot of Yukon talent. they have Tina Charles who is a, a star um, at Yukon as you know as as it goes um, they also have Asia Durr, who came out of uh, Louisville who's been mm-hmm. I remember seeing her on ESPN a couple yeah. times uh, Bria Hartley, another Connecticut uh, alum also my grandma was a huge Yukon fan so I know a few a few of these people mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and uh they I mean listen, The Liberty really draft for hometown talent. They have four people from UConn on their team. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) They also have uh, one woman from Penn State and a few international players. Actually, they they went international with uh, Rebecca Allens from Australia. Um, They also have I'm going to butcher her first name. I'm sure, but it's it's spelled Marine M A R I N A or M A R I N E uh, Johans from france she's a rookie so that'll be interesting maybe a, a little frank nilakina uh, action you know little bring in the uh, the defensive ready player i'm not sure that that's her <laughs> skill set but um and they also have a canadian on the team and Ooh. a chinese and a, a player from china oh. as well who's also a rookie so you know really going for that eclectic group of yukon and international hey, players in your melting pot <laughs> so melting pot exactly <laughs> And uh, so they're, they're playing a White plane, so we're going to try to get to a couple yeah. of those games, and I'm sure it'll be entertaining and a lot of fun to watch. This
0: has to be a thing where um, WNBA teams draft like around their school mm-hmm. or around their uh, region because yeah. the Mystics have two players from Maryland, or three players from Maryland, Elena Delon from Delaware, mm-hmm. Saint, uh, a player from St. Joe's PA, which I think is D3. Is it?
1: Um, St. Joseph's? No, no, that's Saint, it's St. Joe's University.
0: Okay, so they do one. But still, Pennsylvania, around the area. Um, and they do have an international player, too, from Belgium, Emma Miesman. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I'm i excited
1: to go to games. Listen, all I'm saying is the New York Liberty beat the Chinese national team by 18.
0: All right. That's hey. all
1: I'm saying. It's a good start. And a um, little little bone
0: to pick with the WNBA. So, yeah. I, got, I got an email from Nike a couple weeks ago for to look at their um, WNBA jerseys. I was like, you know what? I'd actually
1: love to rock. (laughs) I would rock a WNBA. I'd rock an
0: Elena Deladon jersey. Let me go check this out. I click on the website, and they only have women's sizes. I'm sure I can fit into a women's
1: jersey, like a women's double XL. I don't know about that. I'm not that fat. Jesus, (laughs) who said anything about fat? It just (laughs) needs to be big enough to fit you. Like (laughs) I
0: know. know. But um, yeah, I mean. that's another way to market your sport. I mean, I don't know how many people are like, are like us and would actually buy – how many guys would actually buy a WNBA jersey, but I'm sure there would be a decent
1: amount. I would them. definitely buy a WNBA jersey. I would too. Um, so, oh. WNBA, if you're listening to this, send us jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's free advertising, you know. Um, or honestly, like, Skylar Diggins was my, my big – my Ooh, favorite God. player. Where is she? Um, Minnesota, right? She well, she was overseas. I think she might be in Minnesota right now. I know Maya Moore took a year off, so that's gonna be a, a little bit of a hit for the yeah. league.
0: No, Brianna Stewart, no Sue Bird, and no Maya
1: Moore. Yeah, so those are those are big wow. issues. Yeah. Brittany um, Garner's still rocking though. She's still in the league. Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> um, but oh, she plays for Dallas Skylar. Okay, Diggins. yeah. So Skylar Diggins is is my was my favorite player when she was at Notre Dame um, because she was just so dominant. Like it was insane. She was really really good. Um, and I followed her initially when she got drafted and, uh, I, I, you know, she, I would definitely love to rock Skylar Diggins Jersey. Um, so if she hears us, please let me know how to get a male jersey, like a men's Jersey because I don't know that I'm, I'm pretty, pretty chonk right now. I don't know if I'm going to, I'm going to fit into a women's Jersey. Um, for both of us. We're both not into a women's jersey at this point. Yeah, but you for different reasons than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's our WNBA section yeah. right now. Um, we'll talk a little bit more in the coming weeks about Yeah. It. When we go to games, we'll maybe even like live video. Yeah, we're, we're, gonna, we're definitely going to take take videos for, for games and stuff and yeah. our experiences there. And uh, I think it'll be a fun segment. I think it'll be cool to kind of invest in a, in a team that's during the, the dog days of summer. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it's professional and a good time yeah. so, and close to yeah. like a half hour away. So mm-hmm. um, that's been our make w, WNBA relevant again. Um, not even again. Just not make, even again. Make, just make it WNBA relevant. Let's get it relevant. <laughs> because it's at this point, it's, it's ridiculous at this point. Yeah. The, the it's sad. I mean, you know, there's a lot of discussion about like the, the discrepancy in pay and how, how they have to play overseas. Uh, they have the same they sponsors. Play, they full play year-round. Mm-hmm. They have the same sponsors as NBA teams, too. Mm-hmm. So why,
0: like, they should be making more.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it comes from just from experiencing classes, media rights deals. There's not a lot of broadcasts of WNBA games. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that needs to be rectified because if you want people to see it, then you have to pay to get people to see it. Right. Um, and I think once people see it, especially in the summer when there's not a lot going on, you know, it's the NBA is over, the NFL is starting up towards the tail end, and it's just baseball, really. Yeah. Um, and the NHL ends, but um, you know, I think they they need to pay to to get it seen, and in the returns, it'll end up, you know, fluctuating contracts and hopefully making them to a livable standard where <laughs> professional athletes don't have to basically be barnstormers and play, you know, year round overseas, kind of splitting time. Mm-hmm. And it just leads to injuries like Brianna Stewart, like Super, like Diana Taurasi. So, um, check out the WNBA. We're definitely going to yeah, follow I mean, our, our progress. I'm gonna <laughs> be uh, I'm gonna be
0: in Indianapolis in uh, about a week or so, and next Friday we're actually thinking about going to a WNBA game. Uh, the Fever of playing the Dallas Wings, so maybe I'll see Ooh, Scott Diggins drop thirty. That would be cool.
1: That would be very cool. Yeah. Let me know. All right. Tell her to give me a jersey. <laughs> um, so uh, all right. So that was WNBA. Yeah. All right, so that wraps up the OG for this week. We're back. We're better than ever. Um, <laughs> took a little time off, as Steve said in the intro, and uh, we're happy to be back doing it. We're gonna try to get it out, you know, weekly. Uh, now that summer hits, it's a lot a little bit easier to finagle schedules and things like that. So we'll be trying to get one out every week at least. Yeah, once. try to even get out more. Maybe have some like wacky segments for you, or just crazy things like yeah, maybe a little short series. things like yeah. coming out, you know, every couple of days or whatever. But um, so that'll be cool. Um, we also have open uh, will be officially launched either tonight or tomorrow, June 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's largely reliant on people getting their, their bios to us. So if you guys are listening, uh, and you know who you are, send us your ship, please. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. Um, so we can get this website out and start posting blogs and, uh, we're going to start out with sports, but we have some more aspirations with entertainment, TV, movies, politics, things like that. Um, and uh, I, I think you guys will be interested in it. We're going to try to expand the podcast a little bit. So we have big plans for the summer mm-hmm. uh, going into the fall when we go back to school. But um, So thank you guys for staying patient and hopefully tuning in for this. I hope you guys didn't <laughs> give up on us. But uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Yeah, later, guys.